0: When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could with stories I knew and from things that were rattling around inside my head. They also called me Padre. So, welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to take the questions of the day and the question of the day is the question for all of us and that is what does the re- what does the resurrection have to do with me the resurrection of Jesus Christ what in the world does it have to do with me particularly i know even if it happened or i believe it happened or even if you know other people like the whole christian church for thousands of years has believed it's happened what does it matter to me? Why should I care? Why should I, uh, what, what difference does it make in my life? And I think we need to ask this about everything we believe. It's, um, for some reason, the word belief has become kind of like, do you believe in Santa Claus or do you not believe in Santa Claus? And we all know the answer is that when we're little kids, <clears throat> we believe in Santa Claus. Until we get to that certain age when Santa Claus no longer is plausible. When you look at your chimney and you say, there's no way (laughs) there's anybody coming down that. Or more, uh, maybe even stronger is the argument, like, there's no way one guy, even with magical powers, can deliver toys to every single child on the earth. And once that thought kind of sinks in, Santa Claus becomes a lot harder to believe in. And then you just realize it's your parents or your caregivers or whoever's giving you presents. And it's let down. But a lot of the way we use the word believe is like that. We use it as a term of what some people have called intellectual assent. Like, yep, I believe it. Yep, I believe it. When the idea of believe, In Holy Scripture, and really practically speaking, has to go a lot deeper than that. There has to be something more to belief than just, yeah, there's a Santa Claus, or nope, there's not a Santa Claus. The thing about the resurrection is that Christians claimed that it had something to do with their own death and resurrection. Early Christians knew that the implications of the resurrection were much bigger than just, oh, we got Jesus back, he's alive again, cool, we can just keep going on with life. They knew something had fundamentally changed in the fabric of the universe. They weren't quite sure what it was, I don't think, in those early days. But they had these encounters with Jesus, and the one that we're talking about today is the next Sunday, Jesus is raised from the dead on a Sunday, or maybe late, 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 late Saturday night, live, so to speak, and the next Sunday, the disciples are in this room. The doors are locked uh they're in the room where the disciples had met. This is likely the upper room. Maybe they have the downstairs now, but they're the doors of the house where they had met previously, like for Passover last Thursday, are locked um and they're fearful of it says of the Jews again. When we see the word Jews used, we are talking about Jewish leaders, the leaders of the temple who had their own police force, the temple police, and they could come and arrest them and hand them over to the Roman authorities and say, here's some more of those insurrectionists that are trying to plot the overthrow of Caesar. And that was the final straw for Pilate was when they said, you know, he's, he really is no friend of Caesar. He's trying to get rid of him. And that's when Pilate said, okay, we can kill him. And so these disciples know that that they could be crucified at any moment. But suddenly Jesus comes and stands among them, a beautiful image. He doesn't stand apart from them. He doesn't stand over them. He doesn't stand under them. He, He stands among them. Jesus stands among us in all of our doubts and all of our insecurities. When the doors are locked, when we're all alone, Jesus comes and stands among us. He's with us. He's with these early disciples right here. And what does he say? Peace be with you. It's almost an angelic greeting, or uh, when the angels scare people, they say, peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Um, But he's there among them, and they see him. And after he says this, he shows them his hands and his side, the calling card of Jesus. Is his wounds. Jesus uses them to ID himself, to identify himself. He flashes his badge, so to speak. And not only does this tell us who Jesus is, but it tells us who we are. In our wounds, the things that we've lost, the hurts we've suffered, they are our calling card, too. Jesus' wounds are healed, they're not bleeding anymore but they're definitely there and very obvious. And he holds them out, stretches them out towards his disciples and says, look, he actually pulls up his robe. It says, it shows him his hands and his side. Look, this is really me. There's nobody else that has these five wounds. The five wounds of Christ have taken, um, have come into our, consciousness as Christians. Um, in the Paschal candle, we put five nails in the cross in the, in the Paschal candle, the candle in in some ways personifies Jesus body. And so we put those five wounds in him. And every time I put those in at Easter, it's, it feels weird to put those into his body. And yet it is a, it is the point that, that it wasn't the Jews that killed Jesus. It wasn't the Romans it was me. I killed Jesus. My sin was part of the reason or the reason he went to the cross. And he would have done it just for me. And he would have done it just for you. He shows them his hands and his side. And the disciples rejoice and they realize it's him. And he says to him again, peace be with you. As the father sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Here's his teaching on the apostolic authority, the the authority of the apostles that comes down to us. These apostles are commissioned to now carry the same message out into the world. They have the Holy Spirit. Jesus has breathed on them. It's it is a reminiscent of that moment of creation in Genesis, where God formed the man out of the dust of the ground, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, or in Hebrew, the nefesh hayah. He breathed into him life, and man became a living being. And this is what he's saying to the apostles, in all of their trauma, and all of their grief, and all of their fear they suddenly have new life. They have new breath. They've gotten the wind knocked out of them and now they're back on their feet. They've got something to do, something, somewhere to go. And so the disciples are ready to roll. But there's this one issue with Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. He's a twin, we know. Some people think that he's the twin of Jesus. He looks like Jesus and that's why they call him the twin. Uh, I think the most... Plain explanation is that he had a twin. <laughs> I mean, that's why you call someone a twin. He's one of the 12, but he wasn't there at this moment of Jesus. <clears throat> There's only, you know, 10 disciples there. Judas is gone. Thomas is gone. Not sure why. Is it because he knows that when the police are looking for you, you don't hide with the other people that the police are looking for? Um, He seems to be a little smarter than the rest. But he has said, after they tell him they've seen him, he says, you know, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hand, unless I put my finger in his, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. So Thomas has said what he will do and what he won't do kind of like Thomas for this. He's not just going with the flow. He's he's taking control of his healing. Um, he knows the limits of human credulity. He knows the limits of his own belief, what he can believe and what he can't. And so when Jesus appears to Thomas, he knows what Thomas said. And so he says, it, the miracle is that Jesus knows. Remember, Thomas has told the disciples, and it doesn't say Jesus, the disciples told Jesus, but Jesus says exactly what Thomas said. You know, here, put your finger here and, and see my hands. Reach your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And the answer Thomas gives him is, my Lord and my God. The wounds of Christ are his calling cards. And so they are ours as well. If we believe that Jesus had visible wounds from his crucifixion, we must also believe that he had invisible wounds. The invisible wounds of our traumatic experiences are with us. They don't go away, just like the wounds of Jesus. They are going to be there in eternity, but they will be healed. And that's the difference. Jesus... Jesus trauma has changed him in the ways that trauma changes people. And for Jesus here, we can see a Jesus who is is full of love. He was certainly full of love before the crucifixion. But here with Thomas, it seems to go even deeper. As he says, put your hand in my side. Jesus invites him into his own trauma, invites him into his own wounds. He says, get close to it. This is me. This is who I am. This is who I will always be. I've often hoped that I would be different, uh, someday after traumatic experiences that, yeah, the traumatic experiences, untreated PTSD, other things, make it really hard to live, make it really hard to function. And <clears throat> I didn't always know that this was what was happening to me. Um, uh, even though I was frustrated with myself and felt like I should be doing better. And I was just a chaplain in the army. You know, I didn't, I wasn't an infantry person or something. And so I always downplayed my own traumatic experiences. And it took me a long time to to, to uh, own it in some ways. And also to not believe that that I would ever just be free of it that I could ever become that person that I was before. In fact, the person that I am now is the person who God made me to be. And even though there's a fragility to PTSD, there's a sense of, man, I can't always control my reactions. I can to a large degree, but I know some things are gonna set me off in ways that that um I am never quite ready for. Um. <clears throat> and that's even with treated ptsd i think it th- those symptoms do stay with us for a really long time but the hope is that that um this is the person i need to be in the world that will make me a more compassionate person a, a person that can more willingly and readily enter into other people's traum- traumatic experiences and their healing and also the person that helps me to be closer to jesus who also has these kinds of wounds in his hands, his feet, his side, and even in his mind. And so reconciling with the person that we are after trauma is really hard. It takes a long time. And it doesn't always mean that everyone else will either. But Thomas can see it. He says, my Lord and my God. And this is the moment of belief. He, He makes a statement about Jesus that no other gospel writer quite makes my lord and my god he puts he forever defeats the idea that jesus is just simply a good guy a good teacher an angel or something like that he is god incarnate so here the the reveal of god's incarnation the reveal of jesus being fully god is in the context of trauma it is only when we put put our hand into the side wound of Jesus and feel it that we really see who he is. And we really see that God is one of us. God took on wounded flesh, wounded flesh, wounded body, wounded mind for us. And that is love. So we wonder, does God love us? Where are we in the story? Why does the resurrection matter for me? The resurrection matters for me because it shows that my trauma and the things I've been through are things that Jesus has been through too and that that he invites me into this post-traumatic life this life where we are close to his wounds where we meditate on his wounds and find by his, that by his wounds we are healed that all of our trauma is now not senseless it is not pointless it is not for nothing Our wounds are experienced so that we can become people that bring peace. Jesus brings this message of peace to Thomas, to his disciples, peace be with you. This should be our message. It's so hard to see this in the world today. Are Christians, people of peace, people that are always inviting others in, people that are always listening and hearing and loving. This is the post-traumatic life that Jesus offers. His disciples, especially Thomas, and Thomas gets it, and he goes with it, and he says, my Lord and my God, amen. <music> Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established a new covenant of reconciliation,